Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear this show in its entirety or any of our past shows, you can do that. And we'd love for you to. You can go to a couple of different places. You can go to soundcloud.com, Facebook, or you go to iTunes and just type in Solid Steps Radio. And then you'll see Kurt and I and you click on the picture and you can hear all of our almost two years worth now of, of uh, commercial free shows thanks to our sponsors Vision First Bright Star and LNN Credit Union and uh, we're talking today with Dr. Vaughn Walker and Dr. Chuck Tackett both of First Gethsemane Church Chuck any, any thoughts well one of my one of my favorite podcasts one of my favorite podcasts is called Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell he's a little bit controversial here or there um, in this season he's dealing with racial issues um, and, and so it's really extremely intriguing. But one of the things that they found in the research at, at Vanderbilt University in, in Nashville is that if African-American students have an African-American teacher between the third and the fifth grade, it increases the likelihood that they will graduate by 39%, just having one African-American teacher. What does that tell you? Uh, it tells me that we need to get more involved in the community and we need to make sure that, as, as Dr. Walker is saying, African-American students have African-American examples because that, that is more encouraging. It's, it's more uplifting. But the other thing it says in, in what they found out in the research is, uh, and this was all research done with the gifted students, okay? And so gifted students who have uh, gifted African-American students who have only Caucasian teachers they stand about a 50% chance of being spotted as truly being gifted if they have only Caucasian teachers. If they have at least one African-American teacher, they stand an equal chance to the truly gifted Caucasian students of actually getting the gifted services within the school system that they find themselves. A verse immediately comes to mind. It gives hope. It does. And hope deferred sickens the heart. Yeah, it does. But when, when, when there's hope... Yeah. It, pro- it propels us to the next level. Right. I, I have to have an image. I have to have an example. Yeah. And I need to have that regularly. And if I have that example regularly, okay, then I've got a shot to actually make the step up that I need to make up. Okay? So as I've shared with you guys before, you know, I, I'm the first one in my family to have a college degree. Um, I have only one other cousin who has an undergraduate degree. He also went... Uh, to UC University of Cincinnati and got his master's degree, I think, in chemical engineering. Um, so we're the only two out of dozens and dozens of cousins who have master's degrees, and I've got two master's degrees and a doctorate, you know. Um, well, I had to have examples, but I got those examples in the Christian community. One of the great things, one of the many great things about First Gethsemane is, for me, it's the most educational or the most educated congregation I've ever been a part of. I mean, how, how many, how many, you know, Dr. Walker, how many doctors do we actually have within the church? 20, 30? Maybe, um, I think more than 30, actually. We have a lot, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think more mm-hmm. than 30. And I think for the number of master's degrees, I think we have somewhere around 100 to 150 um, members of the congregation who have their master's degrees. And so education is extremely important within the congregation. Uh, and so it's just one of the most intelligent congregations that I've ever been a part of. You know, so um, just brilliant, well-spoken individuals in the church, and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm not surprised by that. Well, okay. the, uh, you, you know, you've you've been a model to follow. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's been interesting to see the number of more mature African Americans going back to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make we make a big deal of finishing school. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year we have an annual graduation at all levels. You know, college, seminary, graduate school, and we actually dress in robes, academic robes, and have them march in doing a public worship service. Uh, doing a regular Sunday morning worship mm-hmm. service just because we want people to know that we value that. Now, education is not our God. Mm-hmm. We know that college is not for everyone. But indeed, we want to emphasize to kids that you you might be surprised who's back in school. A lady who passed four years ago, I think four or five years ago, was a senior citizen in our congregation. Mm-hmm who had served the Lord faithfully but felt a sense of calling for her life. So she went to Simmons College with some people laughing at her, going back to school. Why in the world are you going to school? You're already 70 years old or whatever. But she finished at Simmons their top student. I mean, they still applaud her. She didn't really live long after getting her, her bachelor's degree. But she says, I've been preaching to my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids the importance of going to school, and I needed to go and demonstrate that for them. Mm-hmm. And she did. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. What a wonderful lady. Mm-hmm. You know? that's, uh, that's, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that, is a, that is a perspective. What, the 28 minutes you've been talking, Dr. Walker— <laughs> Okay. No, we've been talking. Okay. <laughs> Do you know that that is probably more time, may, I, this is a very broad statement, but that is more time that most white Christians will ever hear an African-American pastor speak in their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That just dawned on me that we, we, won't, we won't hear that. We're not going to hear this gifted man or anyone like that most of our life ever because we have, and, and I'm not, it's not that we're, we should feel bad for going to a church that's predominantly white. I'm not, but the fact that we are missing out mm. on African brothers, African-American brothers who are in a, in a different culture, different end of town, wherever their church might be, we're missing out. What can, now we're not reaching everybody, trust me, but we're reaching some people who would fit that demographic from your perspective and Chuck chime in here because you, you you've got a a Caucasian perspective mm-hmm. right being in, a, involved in that church right. what would you say to the folks who are on the other end of town and they say you know what I'll, rather than just making a donation to the to the church's food pantry which is good mm-hmm. how do I go literally and, and relationally or circumstantially make a difference in West Louisville. Mm-hmm. Now, they're both pointing at one another. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, Dr. Walker, as you, as you let out today, I, I think you just make a choice, you know. And, and in the beginning, when you make that choice to go to First Gethsemane and visit, or you make that choice to go to uh, a different uh, African-American congregation, which I don't see why you wouldn't choose First Gethsemane, you know, especially if Dr. Walker's preaching. Um, one of the benefits I can promise you you're going to get is you're going to see a passage of Scripture um, from a slightly different point of view 
than you would hear in a Caucasian church. Mm. There's a slightly different point of view. It's, it's on point in agreement with Scripture 100%. But you're going to get a slightly different point of view that will enrich your life. It will add perspective to your life. Uh, and you might also along the way just see that God's a really funny God sometimes. Okay? I mean, think about this, and I've shared this with, with Dr. Walker before. Here I am, Caucasian, and I've preached four times in Harlem. So how many Caucasians do you know that have preached at all in Harlem, New York? Okay, I preach more in Harlem than Dr. Walker has. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> God is a humorous God. But going to, going to Harlem and, and worshiping and serving some of the leadership at, at specifically one church, Bethel Gospel Assembly in Harlem, and, and just spending time and, and getting to know them, and just saying, where I can help, just tell me and I'll help, okay? Um, y- I promise you, when you do that, you will be blessed more than whatever energy you put out into the community. God will speak to you in ways that you've never been spoken to before because you've limited yourself to, to, look in, to, to looking at passages of Scripture only basically from a Caucasian point of view. Mm. And when you go and worship with our brothers and sisters who happen to be African-American and you engage in the congregation and you listen, you will be amazingly, stunningly blessed by that. So, Chad, you're right, man. Go. Go. Go and worship. It's a great blessing that you're cheating yourself of. And, you know, just hearing you say that, I was thinking, okay, yeah, I've already got a church home. But why don't, what do I need to do to go out into the community? And I think that's a great point. How about you even start with the, 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 your brothers and sisters in Christ in that community right, right, and right. use that as the starting point right. to kind of offshoot out into the mm-hmm. community because they've got a hand. They, the people who are in that area, they've got their finger on the pulse. Well, they, they do. They do. So, um, And I don't want to give the illusion that every church, and I'm not just kind of lifting up our church. We have mm-hmm. our sins like everyone else. Um, but that every church is committed to some of the things we've been talked about, we've been talking about. Because mm-hmm. many times it's about leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it finally comes, you have to lead your people to be engaged, to whom much is given. We all know the passage, okay? And so, you know, kind of building on what, what you said <clears throat> is that, I have to say the same thing to more affluent African-Americans who may choose, and they have a right to, a church that's not in the West End, okay? Uh, that, that doesn't exclude you or exempt you from the responsibility to be engaged mm-hmm. with where you've come from, okay? Our brother said, Brother Chad said, came from Shively. Well, even though you don't live in Shively, you still have a responsibility for Shively. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a Christian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm from a little town called Heatsville, Virginia. My little home church would have a very difficult time having a full-time pastor and all of that if those of us who came through that church did not somehow give some support. So we have a kind of homecoming celebration annually. And so many of our young people who could not find jobs in that that town have moved to the Washington, D.C. area and Baltimore, Philadelphia. 
And so we have clubs in those towns, those cities, that annually send money back to help this little country church Mm. maintain the quality of ministry that they have. And they have a tremendous ministry at the church, far better than when I grew up. But it's because those of us who live someplace else pool money together once or twice a year and send it there. And so they get a substantial offering on that Sunday that helps to meet their budget needs and gives them an educated, quality pastor. In fact, the previous pastor there, immediate previous pastor there, is one of my doctoral students here and there at Southern Seminary. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, that's the kind of quality that they want for that community. Yes. The resources Mm -hmm. are not there, so we help resource it. And that's what I think we have to do here. You know, I I say to African-Americans, not just your money, but the same thing we were talking about previously, all right? You have a job, you're technology somebody. Come down one day a week and work with these kids. Even if you don't choose that to be your church, give that time to, to a church or a ministry in the community. It can change your kid's life. Okay, maybe they don't have that role model, and that role model can be white. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one one of the guys in our church who does the tutoring ministry two years ago was the Big Brother of the Year. He took one young man through the traditional Big Brothers program, uh, single parent. He's been with that young man now mm, since elementary school. The kid is a junior, I think, in high school, something like that. Uh, this kid is excelling academically. Mm. It's because this one man who has two sons of his own who are grown has decided, I'm going to invest in one young man. Mm. Now, he's investing in doing tutoring for for many others, but he's really invested in this one young man. Mm. This young man doesn't go to our church or anything like that. Uh, but we, we have tried to encourage our men, even internally in the church, Take one young man. My my son is all grown now. I have I have two grandsons, and so I tried to invest my time into them. But some of the men in our church have no little boys in their lives, or their boys have grown up. And we're saying, be a mentor, be like a big brother, you know. Take them to a game, ask to see their report cards, get the permission from the parents that you can actually go to the school and see how they're doing. It's one kid at a time because mm-hmm. that kid gets in the wrong group, gets in a gang. Here's a good kid, but if they get with the wrong group, somebody says, and they have nothing, you sell drugs for me. Mm. Okay, they can make more money in one day than their mother makes in two months. Uh, you know how tempting that is. But if you say, you know, you can make a good living for yourself. You can get a skill get an education. You don't have to live a life where you have to walk around the streets with guns on your side or in your backpack and you forget and carry to school and then get suspended. Yeah. So we'll take a break and we'll be back for our fourth and final segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, and I'm with Kurt Souter of Further Stone Ministries, and uh, we're talking today with Dr. Vaughn Walker and Dr. Chuck Tackett, both of First Gethsemane Church. 
So what I heard you say, <clears throat> that phrase of do for one what you would do for all. I love that statement. If that's Andy Stanley uh, mm-hmm. from Atlanta said that. That man who said, I made a difference in this young man, this young man's life. Mm-hmm. He was a mentor to him. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look at this big picture and how do you eat this elephant? One bite at a time. Mm-hmm. One person at a time. Yeah. Right. And if if every, we talked about this yesterday, if every white Christ following evangelical, you name it, whatever church you go to, if we said, okay, if are there enough are there enough single moms running around West Louisville that these men could partner up with numerically? I don't mean literally. I mean I know that's yeah. that, but is there I hear numbers thrown around. How many single moms are there? I mean I don't you may not know the doubt. I, I hear it could be as high as seventy six percent. Okay. Um and I get on my soapbox now because mm-hmm. you know I taught this stuff for years. Pastor, as long as you say a poem family. at the end of it, yeah. it'll preach, okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, two uh, researchers, Alma Martin and Joanne Martin, husband and wife team, University of Maryland and Morgan State University, they wrote a book several years ago called The Black Extended Family. And their argument was that we have really done a great disservice when we only look at the nuclear family as a healthy family, father, mother, boy, girl, dog, cat, you know, uh, my little joke on that. But uh, he said, you got to look at the extended family. And that's that's not black families, but it's really critical for African-American families uh, that sometimes the grandfather or the uncle has to fill that role of the father. So to say there's 70% or 50% single parent households may not get us give us the whole picture. Mm. But their argument is if that extended family network system is breaking down, then we really have a crisis. And I'm on the side of we really have a crisis mm-hmm. because of the like of the kind of men in the lives of our children, boys and girls, that they can aspire to greatness. God wants us to be great, okay? They need a healthy male in their lives. Some of them have identity issues. They're raised by boys or raised by mothers and grandmothers. And so if they, and then many today are not in church. And so you see why they are so confused about their sexual identity, okay? Because they don't have a healthy model there. They often are abusive to women because mm-hmm. all they see in the media is just the opposite. They don't know what a loving, caring, mentoring man is in their lives. Therefore, the church needs to be the centerpiece again. Part of what they don't have in their book, The Black Extended Family, is the church. I believe historically what we saw as the black church was the other part of the extended family. And again, it's just Mm -hmm. too much of me talking today, but please forgive me. But when I went to college as the first in my family really to go to college, get a degree anyway, my church members followed me all the way to college. Mm. When I was in college, got to remember, I'm an old guy, so it was 60s and 70s. 
When I was in college, it was nothing for the little ladies in my church to send me a letter with $5 in it and address me as their boy, mm. as their son, because I was their church son. And they, want, they invested in me because they wanted in me what they didn't feel they had the opportunity to have in their lives. And so when I was in school acting silly, doing all the kind of things you do when you go to college and, <clears throat> and first time away from home, a little bit behind me in my head was those little ladies back in my home church. Who had invested. Who had invested in me, and I better not get too crazy here, mm-hmm. okay? And let, let me tell you, a little different now. When I went home, they want to know what my grades were. <laughs> they more than my parents. How are you doing? Okay, we, we, I, I know I'm going back to the good old days. Not, everything wasn't so good, mm-hmm. but the reality is there was an investment in the broader community, and in a way, that's what we're trying to do and, right and, now. And that's what God's called all of us, all of us to do, all yes. of us to do. Yeah, He has called us to invest in what, because what you're talking about. This is investment in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, it, it it's takes, a kingdom agenda, not a church agenda. Absolutely. Amen. This is a big C, capital C church right. issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, God's called us to uh, uh, invest and to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Right. And he'll mm-hmm. take care of all the other things. You know, we've got to seek first the kingdom of God. It's been an absolute joy and rich, mm-hmm. rich mm-hmm. to hear from you guys. Been great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you very, great very to be much. Here, guys. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, this is a bonus segment, and boy, what a bonus segment it was. And, uh, you know, hearing all this, guys, uh, if you want to change the West End, go change one life. If there, there's one, you want to know a dangerous prayer? Well, we just sat, we just sat through a doctoral uh, 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 <laughs> uh, class here. Well, I think I think we're gonna get I think we're gonna get credit for that. <laughs> I never got my degree. I think this should go towards that. But my my, you know, a dangerous prayer we can pray is, Lord, would you send me someone to love that don't mm. look like me, sound like me, not from yeah. my neighborhood. And yep. Lord, help me to love them well. And and I bet you that's a prayer he wants to answer. Mm, and don't know. forget that a lot of white boys in the West End. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. A right. lot of them are in the same boat. Right. Yes. They're in Portland and, and those areas. Right, right. And they're very impoverished, and they will end up on the streets as well if somebody doesn't reach down and mm-hmm. create for them an opportunity mm-hmm. to get away. But to get away, to come back to help. Mm. Yeah, that's the key. That's good. It is a deep problem with a lot of deep answers, but the very first step. We're the show is called Solid Steps Radio, and the whole idea of it is taking steps to walk with God. First step might be let's just say, hey, God, where do you want me to go? What big brothers, big sisters, whatever program it is, but maybe going to a church in in that in town and saying, hey, how can I help? So, thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. 